Welcome to this, the next edition of our Daily Devotions, coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. Always so happy to have you join us, as we, and we hope you feel free to share these reflections on God's Word with those that you know and love. Today is the second day of Advent, and we're grateful that we can begin to turn our hearts toward our journey to Bethlehem and pray that these devotions along the way will uh, provide you that uh, period of time to reflect upon your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, let's take a moment to uh, pause for some prayer. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, our first lesson today comes from the second letter of Peter, the first chapter, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of God. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith as precious as ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us through these things his precious and very great promises so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. For this very reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with mutual affection and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone who lacks these things is nearsighted and blind and is forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to confirm your call and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Our second lesson comes from the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, the sixth chapter, beginning at the first verse. In the year King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings, with two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the pivots of the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And the seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I grew up in a family where the idea of a call was something we talked a lot about. I mean, you can't live in a family of four generations of Presbyterian pastors and not expect the idea of call being brought up from time to time. It was the question that sort of hung over us, are you being called? And what that meant was, are you being called to be a pastor? Pastors get called, other people get hired, but pastors get called. Nobody asked in the business department of my college whether any of the students were being called into business, the same with biology, the same with history. But in the religion department, that was the question, are you being called to go into the ministry? And a bunch of us were, which was in a way of saying that we believed that we were being set apart to share the good news of Jesus and to shepherd Jesus' people. And it was a calling for life. The call didn't come like Isaiah, seeing God on his throne and smoke filling the temple. But usually for us, it came in that still, small voice. Now, the shame of all this is that the New Testament makes it pretty clear that all followers of Jesus are called. All followers of Jesus are set apart to share the good news of Jesus and to shepherd his people. And it can be done in a million different ways. Business people, doctors, teachers, history professors, all can be called to share the good news and live the good news. But we have to claim the calling and remember the calling all of our days, that there may be work for you to do for pay, but there is a higher calling that you're called to for a lifetime. I still love Frederick Buechner's discussion on vocation and how he reminds us that vocation comes from the Latin vocari, which means to call, which means the work that we are called to by God. And he goes on to say that the kind of work God usually calls us to do is the kind of work that you most need to do and that the world most needs to have done. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Which makes me think of the story of Lee Schmuckler. Years ago when I was living up in New Jersey, I read a story about a guy named Lee Schmuckler. Lee Schmuckler had been a, a father, a successful New Jersey businessman, a high school football coach, just a regular guy, a real guy. Somewhere along the way, he took a trip down to the Bahamas and was introduced to gambling. Ah, oh, the wonderful enterprise of gambling. A little bet here, a little bet there. But soon it became for him an obsession, and an addiction. Within two years, he lost his business, his coaching job, his home, and his family. He became a wandering vagrant on the boardwalk of Atlantic City, taking any handout he could get to use in the casino. Well, one night, a fellow beggar invited him, invited him to go with him to the Atlantic City Rescue Mission where he would get a hot meal and a warm smile. And so he went, and he went again, and he went again, and again, and again. He eventually gave his life to Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit was freed from his obsession to gambling. He committed his life to follow Jesus and enter the training program of the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions, where they sent him back to the Atlantic City Mission to do work. And there he met his new wife, and they traveled to Florida and started a new mission, the Lighthouse Ministries Mission in Lakeland, Florida. In 1989, the couple was asked then to come to Newark and take over the floundering Newark Goodwill Rescue Mission, 
and they returned to New Jersey and with God's good help, turned that mission around to where it served 1,700 meals a day, served some 100 men in addiction recovery, and sheltered another 150 men in an emergency shelter. One who was once hungry was now feeding, once who was, one who was now once addicted was now treating, one who was once homeless was now housing. I guess you could call that a calling. Well, several years later, Lee developed a weakness in his arm, which was soon diagnosed as Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Quickly, he was confined to a wheelchair, but he kept coming to the mission. It's where he found his joy. It's where his deep gladness and the world's great hunger met. And they say that before his death, that whenever he was at the mission in his wheelchair, the residents of the mission used to get into fights. And, and what they fought over was the men who at one time had nothing to live for, they fought over who was to carry Lee, Reverend Lee, up the stairs in his wheelchair. Their broken, crippled hero, who was going to be, who was going to get to carry him? The hungry vagrant in his last days gets carried like a king. So, as I said, yesterday was the beginning of Advent, and this year it's three precious weeks for us to reflect upon our preparation to receive the newborn king. And maybe one of the things for us to think about in these next three weeks is why did Jesus come? I think one of the answers is that he came to call us. He came to call every single one of us. A tiny few are called to be pastors, but the rest of us are called to do something else. All are called to share the good news and to shepherd the sheep. Maybe that's something to wonder about. What am I being called to do, even now, even here? Where can my joy meet the world's hunger? Maybe Christmas for you and me will be the start of a whole new life. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that you not only created us, but that you called us. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that you have a deep and yearning hope for our lives, that we will grow to become fully who we are, and that our calling might be to share the good news that you are a God who loves us, creates us, and calls us, and has a great story for each of us. So help us all to find that story and to pursue that call, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.